Okay, I hit record. Let's go. Boom. Boom. Guys, um, <laughs> welcome in uh, Fight Club episode two. I'm with my friend, Nemesis Brian. Um, he's, he has fantastic story about recovering with uh, his addiction. He will say more about that. And he's a very successful businessman. We met in the crypto space. Uh, he's got uh, big mining facilities, you know, hundreds and hundreds of computers stacking. So, Brian, I'm really, uh, first and foremost, I'm very glad that you, you find some time and we can chat. And sure. yeah, tell about, um, tell about uh, a bit of, your, of yourself, how, how you get into your addiction, what it was, for how long you've been, uh, I mean, in, in your addiction and how you recovered. For sure, for sure. So, um, like uh, like he was saying, uh, my my name is Brian. Um, I kind of grew up with a pretty rough uh, childhood. Uh, single uh, single mother. Uh, my mom was, you know, my dad split up before I was born. With uh, and uh, so it was just me and my mom against the world. Um, and at yeah. that point, you know, being that young, early eighties, you know, I I was oblivious to things that were around me. Uh, my mother um, had dealt with a, um, a cocaine addiction herself. She was, she was um, uh, dealing with cocaine for probably eight or nine years. Uh, so the majority of my childhood, and I was right. completely oblivious. Um, I knew she smoked marijuana. Um, and to me, I don't really get care about marijuana. I look at marijuana and alcohol being in the same category. Um, the harder stuff. Uh, that leads you down a rabbit hole in which you're going to meet some of the most horrible people, I believe. Um, so fast forwarding, you know, my, my mom got with my stepdad um, and my stepdad got her off of cocaine. And um, at this point in time, you know, they get married and um, I stay, they had my two younger brothers. So now I'm the oddball. I'm not, that's not really my dad. Um, and he's got his own kids. So I'm kind of like the third wheel. Um, at this point in That's time, tough. me, me and my stepdad, we started just having massive issues. Mm. Um, he was basically beating me every weekend. Mm. Um, he had, you know, at one point in time, he had locked me into a closet and told me that's my new bedroom. Okay. Um, so, I mean, like my childhood went from it was all right. It was, it, you know, it, I, it wasn't like I had the best clothes or the coolest toys, but it went from me and my mom to where it was me against my stepdad. And my mom worked too much at the time to be able to really see everything that was going on. So I had to deal with it. Mm. Um, so I, from probably about nine years old until I was 16, um, I dealt with this with my stepdad. Um, him just playing with me a little too rough and it hurt me um, all the way down to him beating me. So I get to about when I'm 16. Um, it was like in the United States, this was the first time, like right around, uh, I want to say like 2000, I mean, uh, 1995, 1996 mm -hmm. um, was right around the time that um, the first people, the first kids started basically divorcing their parents. Uh, so they were basically getting themselves emancipated to where they were their own adults. Um, 
I went down that I went down that path. I was like, I am done with this. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something better out there for me. And I was at the by the time I was 16, I hated my life. I hated who I was. Um, I hated everybody around me. Um, I felt like I was just this piece of shit mm-hmm. um, at 16. I, you know, I, I figured that I wasn't going to do anything better than my dad. My dad was a um, an opium addict uh, whenever I was younger. So, I mean, both of my folks were drug addicts. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you know, I, I'm kind of in and out of this circle going through high school. Um, I get, I emancipate myself um, because my stepdad had actually adopted me. So my, my real dad had no physical rights on me. So I have divorced my parents yes, and moved in with my dad. And, my, and I kind of feel bad about my, putting my dad through all of this stuff too, uh, because by the time I moved in with him, I was very damaged, very, very damaged. I was done dealing with people telling me what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Um, I was done with school because I figured I was too stupid for it. Um, so at this point in time, I was just starting my drug addiction. Um, I was smoking weed. I was drinking every day. Um, by the time I was 17, I started getting into cocaine. Mm. Um, and then by right before I turned 18, I was doing as much cocaine as I could get my hands on. And I was mm. selling it to everybody that I knew. Um, cocaine is very I, addictive. Very, very addictive. Very, I know. I know. From my experience, it's yeah, and then I graduated from just snorting cocaine to smoking crack rock. Oh. Um, and then I started selling crack rock to everybody, um, made a lot of money. Um, and it's like I've always had this like business mentality in my head. So I, I always looked at, hey, if I'm gonna do something, can I sell this? <laughs> um, can I, can I, whatever it is I'm doing, is does somebody else find value in it? which will allow me to do what I want to do for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started going down that rabbit hole and being in uh, dealing with crap. Now um, you now start dealing with a whole different group of people. And those same group of people, not only do crack rock, they also do heroin. Mm. Um, so I started dealing with uh, drug lords, uh, cartel members, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I was going back and forth. Oh. I, I was going back and forth from Mexico, uh, oh dealing with the Mexican cartel directly. Um, at a, by the time I turned 19, um, I had one of my, one of my supply guys, um, basically held a 357 Magnum to my head and said, Hey, I've never seen you do heroin. You're either going to do it right now or you're a cop. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you from being a cop. So of course I started doing heroin. So now I'm doing crack cocaine and heroin. I'm 19 years old. I've been mm-hmm. doing drugs for three years straight. Um, I figured I was on top of the world. Um, I had an awesome apartment, fully furnished, had all the girls I ever wanted. Yeah, yeah. Had, yeah. had all the money I could ever want. I mean, I went from having nothing to being a millionaire mm-hmm. because of selling crack and heroin. Um, probably like right, or, right before I turned uh, uh, 20, um, I, had my, I had a shipment of mine get busted. 
Um, there was about three million dollars worth of drugs in the in this truck that got popped. Um, at this point in time, I'm going, oh great, not all of this was mine. <laughs> and all I was of about people, to ask you about this, you know, this part. Yeah, so if you're going not to, all to that scale, it's you yeah, gotta. It, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, you deal with different people. I mean, you you if you're dealing with them on a regular, if you're dealing with them outside of drugs, you would never realize that these guys were drug lords, mm. and I was basically right underneath them. Um, and whenever my shipment got busted, I was stuck on the hook, owing eight different guys two million dollars or two point two two point three million dollars I owed. And they were bound to determine that they were going to collect. So I basically sold everything I had. Mm -hmm. Everything. So I went from being on top of the world to having nothing. Of course, I didn't owe any money, but I didn't have anything. So I did a full circle right back to where I started. Right after this, I was also, I was an opportunistic thief. Um, I would also steal high-end cars. So Porsches, Maseratis, Dodge Vipers. Um, basically, I found, uh, um, an, uh, I had somebody that gave me a list of certain cars that they were looking for. Uh, one of them on the list, I knew exactly where it was. I was like, I'm going to go get this. That'll be an easy 10 grand in my pocket. Really? <laughs> um, it was in, um, it was a, 72 Bentley. Yeah, I know it was like an early Bentley. Um, so I get into the garage, start um, getting this car ready for me to, to drive out. And uh, in the process of me doing this, somebody must have watched, see me sneak into the garage. Because uh, stupid me being, you know, desperate for money at this point, um, I did it in broad daylight. So I broke one of my cardinal rules. Um, so I hear the police outside the garage um, and I just took off running. I'm like, I grabbed a couple of things out of the garage so it didn't look like I was touching the car and went running. Um, and then of course they, they catch me, I get popped. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in jail for almost a year. Oh. Um, and while I was in there with no help, from anybody, no medical help, no nothing. Um, I detoxed in jail. Um, I was doing probably about four to five hundred dollars worth of heroin a day, and another two grand worth of, of uh, smoking crack rock a day. So for the first time in five years, I went sober. Um, and oh at God, this, sorry for yeah, and at this point, I. Yeah, and at, at this point, I started yeah. going through the DTs on this stuff. Um, so no alcohol, no heroin, no nothing. Mm -hmm. um, it was like the like my proverbial rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I uh, day three would had to have been the worst day. I was kind of halfway hallucinating off of it, um, thinking I was going to die sitting in jail. Um, after I don't know, about two weeks goes by me being in jail. I sat down with myself and meditated. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I sat there and said, you know, I figured I'd be in a better, I'd be in a better place than where I was at currently. I never thought I'd ever be in jail. Um, I never thought that I'd be detoxing off of heroin because mm-hmm. when I was younger, I used to make fun of heroin addicts, make fun of crackheads. I'm like, oh, those guys are losers, losers. <laughs> and I became one of them. Um, but it was more because I hated myself. I yeah. hated myself a lot and did not care about anybody around me. Um, every time I sold some crack, I figured I was planting the devil's seed into everybody. They'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I knew it and didn't care. I was like, just give me that money so I can do my stuff and live my lifestyle. Um, so now I'm detoxing in jail. I'm hitting my proverbial rock bottom. Uh, uh, Brian, how old how old you been in that point when you... At that point, I was 19. 19. Yeah, 19 going on to 20. Um, so, I mean, I've been in, in the drug scene for like four years. Mm-hmm. for almost five years um so at that point in time when i was in jail you know it's like i i figured i needed to do something different i made my money i lost yeah. my money yeah i didn't i didn't lose it i mean it's like i didn't really lose but i didn't gain um and at this point in time i had to come to grips with who i was so while i was in jail i took that opportunity to basically discover who I was and what I wanted to be. Um, so after being in jail, I got, I got out and I had a few people that had contact, knew that I got out of jail and they contacted me going, Hey, I'll give you three kilos of cocaine for free. Just get back into business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm done. I need to find something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped talking to anybody that I knew except my, my family. Um, I moved from where I was. I was like, I need to remove myself from all the influence that was around me. Gotcha. Um, so I moved an hour away from where I was originally living. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point in time, I started drinking again. Um, and I was drinking a lot. I, it, I always had been a big drinker. Um, so at this point in time, I meet up with, uh, the, the, the best woman of my life. Who's my current wife now, (laughs) who has been my wife, um, who, who got with me knowing that I was damaged goods. Mm -hmm. I was very open with her, um, of my situation. Um, and she's like, okay. Um, she's like, we can, we can deal with this. So. Um, after about a year of me being with her, uh, living with her, I mean, I almost immediately moved in with her too. <laughs> um, just because living here in this house, <laughs> yeah. um, it was a better environment for me personally than anywhere that I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat there and, uh, you know, she's like, hey, I don't want to be with somebody who's not trying to better themselves. So now for the first time in my life, I've got somebody that believes in me mm-hmm. and is challenging me. Yeah. She wants me to do better. She's like, hey, I can't be with you if you're not going to try to uh, get a better job or try to educate yourself. So I'm like, okay, okay. I've been a mechanic for a long time. Um, 
I'm done stealing cars. <laughs> uh, I'm good at it, but there's a risk, too much risk, not enough reward. Um, so I go to school to be a, a better mechanic. I wanted to be able to be a good enough of a mechanic to be able to teach somebody if I needed to. Um, at this point in time, she's also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm full-time students and, um, she's like, I can't be with somebody who's going to drink every day. She lets me know her past a little bit. Her ex-husband, um, was a big drinker too. Mm. Um, and would beat her son. So she's like having flashbacks of this, that are her last two people that she dated and married and they weren't good people and they were both drunks. Mm-hmm. I was already down that path. I was, yeah. I was waking up and I, my hands would be shaking a little bit. Um, I'd have to be drink. I'd have to have at least a beer in the morning to function properly. Um, so, I mean, even though I went to jail, I came out and the only thing that I picked back up was alcohol, but still that's an addiction. It might not be hardcore drugs, but I still had that addictive personality. That addiction was still in the back of my head. Um, So I'm like, okay, fine. You're challenging. I I looked at it as every time she'd say this to me, I looked at it as it wasn't that she was criticizing me. Like some, you know, a lot of people in their, with their addictive mind, even my addictive mind, she's trying to tell you what to do. She's, she's judging me. I had to think about it from the other side of my head and going, Hey, she's putting forth a challenge. She didn't say she wants a gun. Mm. She said that she wants you to do better. And she said, this one thing needs to be changed. I look at that as a challenge. Uh, So I sat there, cold turkey, done. No alcohol. Um, And I probably didn't drink again for another like two, three years. I needed to like break that cycle. Um, Yeah. So... And during that two to three years, she sat there and was like the pillar of strength behind me, um, basically telling me that I was a good person, that I, and I, and I, even, even whenever I was selling drugs, um, even when I was being beaten by my stepdad, my friends, I always helped them. Mm-hmm. I went out of my way all the time. Hey, you're down on your luck here. Here's a shirt off my back. I've always kind of had that personality in the back of my head that I love to help people. No matter how bad my life was, I try to not show that to anyone else. Mm. Um, I always hid my pain through laughter, through a joke, um, through just racing. Um, Or I'd play the drums. Uh, Drums for me was a great outlet of my, just my pain I mean, you can, and I did a lot of, uh, um, a lot of jazz style music. So jazz has a lot of pain, a lot of torture and behind it. People don't realize that it is raw emotion. Um, so, I mean, playing the drums for God, since I was 14, um, you know, it's like 40 now, <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing for a long time. So I've always used playing the drums as my outlet. Um, I went a long time without drums. Um, but, you know, it's like, again, I, I had to sell everything I had mm. 
in order to not get shot in the head because of my addiction. Yeah. Um, So I sat there and just trying to work forward, trying to better myself every day. Um, And I would say I didn't have my real aha moment with a direction of my life. I mean, I cleaned up my life. I went to work every day. I got a career. So, I mean, and I broke that. Because, because it's still deep in, uh, in cars, right? I know apart from other things, I know about you that you're still renovating cars and upgrading, right. doing, yeah. And, and doing car restoration, working on cars, building engines, that was like another way for me to kind of focus my mind and to, to take it away from the addiction. Mm. Um, and... By the time I turned like 32, 33, I started becoming a little bit miserable again. Not, not with being at home, not with my wife. I mean, mm-hmm. me and her, we, that's my best friend. That is my everything. <laughs> um, but I started getting, I wasn't being fulfilled through my career. Okay. I loved working on cards. But a few of the places that I worked for kind of just sucked the joy right out of it. Um, you know, it's like they, they expect you to work a bazillion hours. Um, they expect you, um, if, if you've got a car, like, and, and, it's, and it's a horrible way to have a mechanic too, is I, I have a car, you're going to give me a big job. And then tomorrow is my day off. And then because the customer wants their car back real quick, my day off. I either have to choose my day off or another mechanic's going to take my job. Mm. And that's basically taking money out of my pocket. Yeah. So here it is, you know, now I'm working six, seven days in a row every week. Uh, you do that for so long, you're just going to burn yourself out really fast. Yeah. So I'm at that point where I hate my job. I hate working on cars, not classic cars, just working on, People's job, daily driver, the day, you know, what, what takes you to and from work? I'm yeah. tired of working on it. Mm-hmm. I do not want to touch those cars no more. I just want to give me an old 66 Mustang. Give me a 74 <laughs> Chevelle, you know, give me a classic car, something that was made before 1977 or 1979, you know, a real car. Um, but trying to get into those shops are next to impossible because every mechanic, wants to get into that shop. Um, so that wasn't an option for me. So I started thinking, okay, how can I make this for myself? So I had a built, built a garage here, tried to set that up. And, you know, it's like my, my little brother, I tried to bring him into it. That didn't work out. One of my good friends, I tried to bring him into it. That didn't work out. So now I'm like stuck by myself trying mm-hmm. to crank out cars and I'm starting to fall into that same position where I've been working seven days. I have a full-time job. I come home and work on, on, in the garage. So now I got two full-time jobs. Now I'm really hating life. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sitting here. I start drinking a little bit more often again because I'm just falling back into that same trend that I was when I was in high school where I was just hating everything. And as soon as you start hating everything and you start hating yourself, you start self-destructing. Yes. 
and that's going to so, have influence on your personality with addictions and how, yeah how you, it just it just resurfaces that addiction yeah, back yeah. Up. um i at this point in time i start recognizing it mm. i'm like I can't let myself I know what's that. happening. <laughs> right? I, I know, I know what's going on here. So I, I basically stopped working in my garage. Mm. Stop all together. I, I finished up the last job that I had in there. Um, and at the time I also had a 76 Nova of my own that I stopped in the middle of the, of the restoration. And that went on hold for a few years. Um, fast forward that to, like uh, about three years ago, I come across my, uh, the end of 2017, my wife's like, Hey, I found Bitcoin. <laughs> and my wife's, like, you, right? my, my wife's like, my wife's like, you should, you should, uh, take some look at Bitcoin. Now I heard about Bitcoin back in 2010 from my wife's youngest kid when he was 17. 17, 18 years old. And he's like, oh yeah, I got Bitcoin. I'm like, what's it for? I don't know. What do you do with it? You hold it. Why? You just do. You just hold on to it. And at the time, you can do surveys, get one whole Bitcoin for free. You can go on to faucets that would give you a Bitcoin for free. Um, and I'm like, I, I have no use for it. I'm not going to sit there and spend time on something that has no inherent intrinsic value. This is internet money. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminded me of like in-game currency. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't, I was like, ah, whatever. So 2017 comes rolling around. My wife's like, yo, you need to take a look at Bitcoin. So I start look, researching Bitcoin. Bitcoin's coming down from 20 grand, dropping down to 10 grand, keeps dropping down. Um, and I'm just doing all this research. And I'm like, I have my aha moment. I'm like, okay, I, can, I, I see value in this. I wish my wife's kid would have told me to go check out Bitcoin.org right off the bat. I would have had my aha moment years ago. Yeah. Um, and it would have saved me from hating working on cars. It would have saved me from hating my job. Um, it would have given me a whole new focus point. Uh, but I wouldn't have met, I wouldn't have known who Peter was at the time. Um, so I started doing my research and um, I come across um, a bite size. Um, uh, Chris's channel, um, where Peter came on, and Chris was the guy in charge of Peter's uh, mining rigs. Mining, yes, yeah. So he sits, you know, he's uh, Peter's on there with his, you know, flamboyant uh, personality. He's like, you can legally print money. I'm like, okay, you've got my <laughs> full attention now. Um, so I start researching mining, um, what I was doing. So I'm like, oh, this is just running servers. Back when I was a kid, I loved working on computers. Um, I started coding when I was younger, but my my mom, you know, this is early day computers, 1990. Computers are expensive. She didn't want me touching her computer because that was two thousand yeah. dollars. If I broke it, she couldn't replace it. 
So she didn't want me touching it. So she like locked me out of the computer and I went down a whole nother path of doing uh, electronic repair. Mm -hmm. So I started understanding how electronics work, understanding all of that stuff. And then later on, you know, uh, it's like at the time, every once in a while, I was my uncle, uh, my, my stepdad's brother uh, had a, a 74 uh, Chevy Nova that he did drag racing with. And he still drag races the same car to this day. Um, and I started like learning how to work on old cars, how to make them fast. Um, and then I started learning the electronics with it. So I started understanding how I can can join the two together and just make efficiency. Um, and I knew how to diagnose it. Uh, things that were helping to focus my mind off of my shitty home life. Um, mm -hmm. I would rather sit in the garage all day long. Let me do, I'll, I'll pass out over here. Um, you know, it, it prevented me from having to go home and dealing with that. Um, so, you know, fast forward to, you know, to where I was, getting done with being a crackhead and a heroin addict. And I hit my rock bottom while I was in jail going, I don't want to be here. I have to do something different. I like do breakthrough not... moment. Yeah, that breakthrough moment. I, I saw my, I, I envisioned myself in a coffin by 30. Mm. I did not see myself living past the age of 30. Here it is. I'm 40 years old. Mm. Obviously, I did enough changes to where I, you know, I didn't meet that fate. I figured I was either going to die on the end of a needle or I was going to die because somebody pulled the trigger. Yeah. Uh, that I was dealing with the worst people on the planet. Mm. These are smart people, but they were the worst. So actually, uh, if we can put that way, jail literally uh, saved you. <laughs> In, in yeah. one way of... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to sit there and be like, hey, jail is a bad place. Mm -hmm. But it's it's only a bad place if you let it be that way. I watched people in jail. They became, they, they were bad criminals when they came in. And then they went to, through the, uh, you know, the, the, the criminal school and to, to teach them how to be a better criminal next time. <laughs> And I would watch people, they're like sitting there comparing notes with each other. Oh, I did this. Oh, you shouldn't have done this and this. That's why you got busted. Don't do it next time. Mm. And it's like, next time, there should not be another time you're doing this. Mm. What's wrong with you people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so in, in, in a lot of sense, yes, jail saved me. It, it gave me that sobriety that I needed. Mm -hmm. to sit there and recognize the world of shit that I put myself into. Mm -hmm. um, so here it is, you know, I'm coming out of jail going, I'm not going to go back to drugs. I'm not going to do it. And I made sure every day coming out of there, I didn't. And the, the one of the best things that I found that I was able to do is that I had to find something to keep me busy. Find a hobby. If you're, if you're a drug addict, you know you want to stop. Don't tell, you don't need to be sitting there, hey, guys, I'm going to stop doing drugs. Be proud of me. Pat me <laughs> on the back, guys. I, 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 I want that. No. It shouldn't be something that anybody even realizes you did. 
I didn't go up to all my drug buddies going, hey, I quit. No, because they would be like, oh, you're a loser. You're such a quitter. And they would have made fun of me for it. I just walked away. Um, have I talked to a few of them since? Yeah, I have. Um, are they the same drug addicts too? Yeah, they haven't changed. They've been in and out of jail for the last 20 years. Out of that group of people, half of them died. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I avoided a lot of the, the, the people ODing. I, I avoided myself ODing. Um, and I had OD'd a couple of times. Um, it didn't care. I felt that one, when, when, I, when it didn't kill me, I felt invincible. I'm like, oh, I've got this. I'm, I'm the man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, nothing can take me down. Da, 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 I'm Superman. <laughs> um, and, but whenever I got out of jail, I had that, you know, I'm like, I almost died a few times. I've had seizures because of the amount of drugs that I was on. Mm. Um, uh, you know, pill popping, heroin. I mean, whatever. If if somebody said this, this turd here would get you high, I would be <laughs> like, how do I take it? <laughs> um, and never had that that point of you know a limit. I had no limit. Yeah. Um, once I got out of jail, my my mindset was a lot different. I knew that I had limitations. I knew I was only human. Um, so going through all of that um, was, you know, the experience I really needed. Um, dealing with the addiction, I think, was the easiest part of it all. It was dealing with my mindset. Um, I, had, I had to come to grips with who I was. And who I wasn't, um, and it's kind of cliche, but for it first starts off with you've got to love yourself. Mm. Um, you, you actually response because sorry for that. Uh, oh no no problem. You actually response for all my questions that I have, and, <laughs> and right now you responding for the last one, which is have you have any advice for people like like right now we are in the pandemic like what's going on with the world like oh my god the, yeah uh, i i found i found some uh some reports in us and uk also the the number of of people uh getting into the drugs or overdose numbers skyrocketing like it, yeah. it's unbelievable like, oh yeah, so, it, it's it is out of control yeah, at this point. Yeah, and and a lot of it is is that you have people that are in massive depression. Yeah, um, you have people like like myself. I lost my job due to the pandemic in April. I haven't had a job since April, mm. so I'm coming close to a full year of no job. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting at home a lot. I've got a lot of time on my hands, um, a lot of times to do a lot of self-reflection. Mm. So if you compile that with how am I going to pay my mortgage next month? How am I going to put food on my table this week? How am I going to keep the lights on? 
you start mm-hmm. compounding all of that together. And now you're like, you're, you're slipping yourself into that mindset of, I hate life. Mm-hmm. This, this world is out to get me. Um, and I need to find my little paradise. I need to find something that makes mm-hmm. me happy right now. I need instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I won't lie. Whenever I was on drugs, did I like the high that it was giving me at the time? Yes, of course. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't like it. Exactly. If it was painful, I wouldn't do it. No that's one just, wouldn't. It's and like that's nature. If somebody says, hey, put your hand onto this, onto this hot iron, you'll get the buzz of a lifetime. <laughs> it's going to hurt. I'm probably not going to do it more than once, you know? But now you've got people who are at home. They're depressed. Um, they, they don't have the money to go see a doctor to, to get anti-depression pills, which yeah. that is just another drug yeah. to get you high. Yeah. People recognize this, that these psychiatrists are basically getting you high. You're getting high enough to be artificially or having artificially happy or having a fake happiness. Mm. You're only happy while you're on these drugs. So now you've got a crutch. That's the same crutch I used with cocaine and heroin. That, that crutch cycle, you have to have it up in your head that you need to break it. And the only way you're going to break it is you've got to sit there. And, you know, first off, you got to love yourself. I mean, it, this is this, you know, something that they teach with all the, the, the drug programs where they're you know, trying to help you with your addiction. They're like, you got to love yourself first. And I, when I was younger, I always laughed at that. I'm like, whatever, man, get out of here with that, that, that Bible thumping garbage. I don't need it. Mm. Take the Bible out of it. You need to love yourself. You need to accept yourself for who you are mm. and who you aren't and be honest. Um, secondly, if you were at home with a bunch of, I mean, like a lot of people, you're at home with a bunch of time on your hands and people have this this old school mentality. Well, if I'm going to learn something new, I've got to go to school. The pandemic closed all of that. Yeah. That's not an option now. Yeah. And if you ain't got any job and you've already, like myself, I've gone to college. I can't get government assistance to go back to school. It's got to come out of my pocket. Mm. You only get in the United States, you only get one shot to pick a career with government assistance. Mm-hmm. I'm past that. Um, so now, I, you know, through, like the student loans, you mean? Yeah, student loans and stuff like, well, I can get student loans, but government grants. Um, the government will give you um, aid beyond the loans um, to go to school. I'm not, I, I'm, a, I'm at a point in my life, I don't want more debt. I don't want to take out new loans. Mm. So going to college again, a second time is really not an option for me. Um, you can learn everything on YouTube. Anything you want to learn is all on YouTube. And it's like, if you've got time on your hands and you're bored and you're like, oh man, the world sucks. Let me call up my dope dealer and and get high. Break that cycle. Pick up something that's going to be more meaningful long-term. It's going to be dedication. It is. Yeah. Hard work. Here it is. I, I've resurrected my wife's old laptop. And what am I doing with this thing? I'm learning how to code. Mm. I'm 40 years old and I'm disciplining myself to code. 
Um, am I good at it? No. Nah. <laughs> I just I just started. Yeah. But if you've got time on your if you've got time to get high, you got time to go over to your dope dealer's house to to either beg him for, for some drugs, you'll pay him when you get your stimulus check. Mm. You know, it's like learn something that'll make you more money. It will help break that addiction cycle if you've got something that you enjoy to do. A purpose of getting up in the morning. For me, I've got Crypto and Hot Rods, my YouTube channel. That gives me some focus. Um, I, I teach people about crypto. I teach people how to set up computers. I teach people how to mine on those same computers. Mm. Um, are, am I teaching them how to make a million dollars? No. I'm not that's not my, my purpose. I'm just here to teach you how to set up that computer. Mm. And then you can sit there and decide for yourself, Hey, is this, is this something that I want to do? Mm. Or if you decided it's not something you want to do, you now have a very good computer. You got the World Wide web. You can learn a new skill, learn a new trait. Um, if there's something that you do, that's not illegal. Yes. That's that one that's not illegal. Yeah. That you find fun doing, try to make that more than just a hobby. If you mm-hmm. find it fun, guarantee you there's a handful of people that will pay for what you're doing. And you know, it's like it like a lot of people that are in a lot of different religions, they're like, you know, idle hands make of the devil's work. In other words, if you're not doing anything. You're bored out of your mind. You're more than likely going to pick up drugs or start drinking out of boredom. Or you can have the other way where you're not doing anything illegal and your new addiction is food. And you just start eating yourself to where you are just morbidly obese, unhealthy. That's the same hatred you have for yourself when you eat yourself like that all the way to when you're doing drugs. So that, I mean, you, just because you're, you're like, oh, drugs are, are, you know, eating food's not, you know, an addiction. It is. I had an aunt that died because she was a, she was a chocolate maker. She had to taste all the chocolate. It gave her diabetes. Did she stop? No. It took her leg. Did she stop? No. These are the same addictions that I see people using with heroin. She used the same excuses I heard every heroin addict make. And I'm like going, wow. The addiction doesn't matter what it is. You can be a porno addict. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there watching porn all day, spending money you don't have. And it kind of goes into that why I got into Bitcoin. When I got into Bitcoin, that aha moment. If it's not helping you make money, it's a liability. A liability is going to eat up all of your, your resources from you. It's going to steal your time from you. Time is precious. Exactly. So, I mean, you've always got to kind of look for way, opportunities. You know, it's like for me, my, my motivation is getting up in the morning and how much money can I make today? Yeah. What can I do that's going to, that somebody else is going to find value in? That's legal. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
research. That's, that's a lot of what I started to, uh, you know, t- 20 years ago, the mindset, I'm like, this is costing me money, stealing my time from me. Mm. And I started just changing gears. It's something that's, you have to get it up in your head. If you can't get it up in your head, you will never break the cycle. Mm. I don't care if you think that, oh, I'm going to get myself a good, good girlfriend or a good boyfriend and, and he'll save me. It's no. not going to work like that. Yeah. What you're going to do is you're going to be the poisonous person in that relationship. That'll be a toxic relationship. And you are either going to bring that other person to your level or that other person's going to be like, I'm done more. I'm done. Goodbye. I'm done. And you might blow the best thing in your life. Yeah. Um, I could have done that with my wife 20 years ago, blown the best thing in my life. Mm. Uh, But I looked at everything that she said, not as criticism, but as a challenge. Mm. Life should be filled with challenges. Nothing in life should be ever easy. If something is handed to you, you are not going to appreciate or respect it. Mm. But if you sit there over the course of two to three years, you work hard and you earn it, you're going to respect it and you're going to get mad if somebody else disrespects it. Mm. Everybody needs to find that, that aha moment. That's where you get, that's how you start to break that addiction cycle. Anything short of that, anything short of that, you're just putting a bandaid onto a knife wound. And eventually that Band-Aid is going to fall off and you're going to be back in the same hole you dug yourself in. How deep of a hole do you need to dig before you look up and you're like, how do I get out of here now? Yeah. Brian, oh my gosh. So it, your story, I'm, I'm so, so grateful that, that you shared. Your story is really amazing. Your recovery, um, I, I believe... Uh, it, gave me a lot of value but i believe uh people who will who will be watching or uh, listen to this can extract really good value because your story is really uh inspire um inspiration uh to to find what what you what you love your passion what you're good at uh, good at and especially in the in the time in the time like this to to um really uh cut the, the, the that cycle you you've been saying before uh the cycle of addiction and that poisoning uh that killing kill, killing our our lives you know so brian i'm really really grateful for your time i appreciate that and uh have a have an awesome 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 day yep you too my man anytime thank you brother yeah for sure